Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. If you're new, welcome to Granite Creek. I'm Pastor Josh. Uh, we're in a series on the book of Revelation. And let me ask you a question. Um, what is your interpretation of prophecy? When I say that word prophecy, what does it mean to you? You don't have to answer. Well, okay, somebody, somebody answer. What is, what, when I say prophecy, what does that mean? The revelation of Jesus. What was that? God's heart. Ooh. Awesome. Word from God. A future occurrence. Who said that one? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, so it is the revelation of Jesus. And it accompanies all of those categories. So initially, when people hear the word prophecy, like their, their mind will, well, I just, like not everyone, but maybe the general public, uh, not necessarily Christians, but the general public, they'll think of Nostradamus, right? They'll think of these end times uh, prophets they are going to predict the end of the world, and that is, that is true. So we have in the book of Revelation some predictions that, uh, that will come true. We don't know exactly how or in what fashion. The amazing thing about the Bible is that there are, I, don't, I forgot the count, but there are, are, are a number of prophecies that have already been accomplished, that have already come true. And we're living in this reality. We're living in this truth. It's very exciting. So, this Sunday's message was supposed to be, <laughs> it was supposed to be about the end of the world, right? The end of the world as we know it. The mark of the beast, the antichrist, monsters, disasters, but that's going to be next week. So, invite your friends to that one next week. <laughs> Uh, but uh, there were some, some, some specific things that I wanted to talk about, about the area of the economy, of, of how money all plays into the end times. I'm supposed to talk about that today. But something prophetic happened to me this week. So yes, the, pro the prophetic ministry, there is biblical prophecy Okay, there's two, two things I want you to think about. There's biblical prophecy, the end of the world, right? Making all things new. There's biblical prophecy. And then there's the ministry of prophecy, meaning that we get to hear God's heart for us now. Isn't that exciting? And God speaks to us through prophetic love. about you and your, and your future, predicting your future, giving you a destiny that is His idea, that it is His will. And when we step into God's prophetic future, it's exciting. There's something, there's something life-giving when we get a prophetic word for us personally. 
Does that, does that make sense? And, and God speaks to us through His voice, right? You hear His voice when you pray, hopefully, you're led. God speaks to us through each other. God speaks to us through words of knowledge and prophetic utterances. And these are the things I'm super excited about. I get excited when I hear God's voice or impressions in my head, in my soul, in my spirit. I love it when I feel the, the, the subjective leadings of the Holy Spirit, where I know I'm in the right place at the right time, all the stars line up, I, like the God's leading me. That, like you, should, you should want and desire that, everyone. I love it when God answers prayer. I love it when God answers prayer immediately. Have you ever had any of those? Like those are the best, like the fast food prayers. Who's that tacky lawyer on TV? Uh, I want my blessing and I want it now. <laughs> so, but God does do that. Like, he can answer a prayer in a moment. And sometimes he can answer a prayer, and it takes a moment. It takes a long time, but he still answers prayer. So answer prayer is, is an awesome thing. I love it when God leads and directs us as, as a body, as a group. When we speak to each other, and we encourage each other, and we love one another, and it's just amazing how God can use people to love you, and it's actually love from God. Have you ever been in seasons where it doesn't seem like God is answering your prayers? Have you ever been in seasons where you can't feel the direction of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever been in seasons where there are no encouraging words of knowledge floating around? Have you ever been in seasons where the spirit of prophecy was not active? Now, we all have. Here's the good news. Um, God's not silent. So if you need it, if like all of those things are like, like, well, I don't understand why I can't hear God's voice anymore. My prayer life isn't as active as it used to be. I don't feel the leading of the Holy Spirit. Like if you feel that way, um, I got some good news for you. God is still speaking. Yeah. Amen. And it's right here. You know, it's just right here. If you need to hear from God, just, just pick up the objective word of God, and he'll speak to you through this. He's not, we're not always consistent in the way that we hear from God, but he is consistent in the way that he communicates to us, and he just does it in different seasons and different ways. So, um, we've been allowing God to speak to us through Scripture for an entire year, being in the word of God every single day. That's just kind of what we did last year, and we just want to continue to encourage you to be in your Bible every day so you're hearing from Him while reading the Word of God. 
So this was the season that we are in. And now my personal life, of course I'm praying every day. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for everything as much as I possibly can. Uh, when I feel led to pray about certain situations and certain peoples, I am obedient and I do so. But I would say in the past three years, I haven't seen God move in exciting ways that gets my blood pumping. And it's okay. Like, I don't have to have fireworks because I've got Jesus. It's okay. I don't have to have signs and wonders every single Sunday because I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. Like, these signs and wonders, they're, they're, they're powerful. They are for us, but they have specific meaning and specific purpose that is beyond our entertainment, that is beyond our uh, spiritual high. It's for the advancement of the kingdom of God in the midst of darkness. I don't understand it all, but I just know that God works when he works, and it's not my, uh, it's not my right to question when he moves and when he doesn't move. Amen. So you just be faithful. You just read your word. So, I honestly, I was thinking about this. I haven't had a legitimate prophetic word spoken over my life in three years probably since before COVID. I mean, there's been some encouragement. Like, we're, we're still doing it. We're still pushing in. But I haven't had one where it was like, oh, yeah, God is breaking into my life right now, and I, I better pay attention. Because we still live the lifestyle, amen? Like, we still live the lifestyle. We still practice. We still, we still encourage the gifts. We still do the stuff. But there, I don't understand it, but there's just moments where that God just steps into your reality, and either you pay attention or you get wrecked. And so that's why I'm not talking about the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, and monsters today, because I had a prophetic word this week. You want to hear it? So we're in, we're, we're in this, this, this prophecy. Okay, so since it is... Um, since your bulletin says the book of Revelation, I'm going to read what I read to you last week. And, I, and it, 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 does, it does fit. So I'm sorry for the repetitive nature, but this scripture is ministering to our congregation now. This is a, this is a word from the scriptures for us now. It applies directly to us now. Uh, why do I say that? It's because, well, we need to, we need to hear it, and it needs to, we need to allow it to bring us comfort. You know what? I might just have to go old school today and actually read out of the book instead of copying. Oh, no, here it is. Okay, I got it. It works.
so annoying technology. It's like, an, you know what? And I was going to leave my Bible upstairs. And so the Holy Spirit says, don't leave that downstairs, upstairs. Okay, so this is what I read this week, uh, last week. Um, we had a, a funeral service this week, and I read it then. And it applies right now to church family because we lost another member early this morning. So Pete Robles went to go be with the Lord this morning. If you don't know Pete, it's Joe, Joe's dad, Joe and Kim's dad. And uh, we, I was with him yesterday, and you can see the peace of God resting on him. And uh, he told Joe um, before he went this, to tell that church lady he's sorry that he can't go dancing with her. So, and I'm sorry, but you're going to have to wait a little while to dance with Pete. You got a date. You got that date set. <laughs> so, Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will be with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, their God. And he will wipe away every tear. That is the power of the Christian faith. I love it when God wipes away our tears. It doesn't mean that we don't cry. It just means that we allow God to wipe away our tears. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things have passed away. He who was seated at the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost the spring of the water of life. Amen? So I talked in depth about this last week. He's going to give without cost the water of life. The water of life, the, the water that springs from within us. Water is a very important uh, metaphor for our church. It's a granite creek. We want it to be a a, a granite river, you know. We should never name the church Granite Trickle. But streams of living water, it's got to flow. We can't stay stagnant. We can't pool up. We can't become a pond. We're running constantly. can never stop. You can't stop during the good times. You can't get comfortable when, when, when God is blessing. And you can't stop when you're going through hell. What happens if you stop if you're going through hell? 
you're going to burn up. <laughs> so, so just don't stop. You can, you, can, you can stop when the end has come. It's really exciting that there's just been lots of rain and water lately. Streams of living water come from within. It's a key scripture. It's out on that plaque there. Bubbling up from within. Like, we got to get this into our heads that this faith transformation is an inside job. You can't work on your problems on the outside. You can't focus on all these negative things, all of these negative problems, because true transformation comes from within by the empowerment of the water of life. So, water of life that flows from within comes from deep wells, deep, deep wells. You have, you have a well inside of you. We all do. So how deep is your well? How, how deep is your water? Some of you are pretty shallow. No. Oh. <laughs> but, okay, it's okay to be shallow. Because you will grow, and you will dig deeper, and you will become richer with that water. And when you are a part of the body of Christ, you get to drink out of wells that other people have dug. Right now, your well might not be that deep, but there are wells that have been dug that are so deep and so rich, and you have the opportunity to take advantage of those deep wells of fresh water, not stagnant, not stinking, not briny, salty water, but fresh water. It's all over the place, and we just don't see it. It's all over the place. We don't see it. All right, you have your Bibles. Turn with me to Haggai. I got to try and find it now that I can't scroll to it. It's in the middle somewhere. It's one of those, it's one of those Old Testament prophets. Malachi, Zechariah. Okay, so this scripture was given to me uh, Friday. Thursday night, late Thursday night, I get a text out of someone that I haven't heard from in probably 10 years. There's a few people in the building that know who this is. They helped start the church from the very beginning with my father. Before there was a Granite Creek, before Pastor Larry was a senior pastor, these people were in our lives. And I talked to Dad. Dad and Mom are in Hawaii, by the way. Yeah, know. They're visiting some other kind of waters today. Yeah. 
Um, and he, he told me, he's like, yeah, if it wasn't for Brian and Rose, there probably wouldn't be a Granite Creek. Wow. So think about, that's kind of an interesting thought to think about. You know, all right, raise your hand if you know who Brian and Rose are. There's just a few of us. <laughs> um, God moved them to San Diego over 30 years ago. But they grew up in this area. Brian grew up in this area. And he used to live uh, in the foothills. And he's a very intense young man, fiery young man from God. I have, I have uh, memories being a young boy when dad first started the church. I have memories that like after, <laughs> you guys are so blessed. Like after like a three-hour worship service, Brian would be praying in the parking lot in uh, really intense ways, and it marked me. It's like, wow, people can pray like that? That's, that's, that's powerful. Um, I don't talk to them a lot. We see them occasionally. Weddings and funerals and things like that. Uh, they came out for the Randy Clark event. So they were last time that they were in the building was for the Randy Clark event. That was years and years ago. And for some reason, I keep this Polaroid picture of Brian in my bookcase. This is from the '80s. The, kids, these are called Polaroids, <laughs> and those are called bell bottoms. The woman that he's with is not his wife. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, Rose. And so he texts me late Thursday night and says, I, I have a word from the Lord from you. Um, what time do you want to see me tomorrow? And so I'm like, that's like, okay. Well, what am I going to do? Say I'm busy? Like, I got to do some laundry. I've got a staff meeting to go to. I mean, what do, you, what do you say to things like that? And so in my mind, like, oh, he's on a business trip. He's, he's up here taking care of family business. Uh, no, he, he drove all the way from San Diego just, just to give me this word. Yeah. So... You know when you go through those dry seasons when you think that God doesn't care and He's not listening because He hasn't done anything for you in three years? You know what I'm saying? Look, I want, you, I want to encourage you to review your history when God stepped into your life and did something like that. Out of the blue, out of the ordinary. We can't take these things for granted. We can't just say, oh, God doesn't love me anymore because, you know, he's not speaking prophetically over me constantly. We need to, we need to stop that stuff. We need to stop that stuff and just be obedient. He's good. He's loving. He'll show up at the right time, in his timing, not our timing. And although I wanted something like this years and years ago, this is his timing. And so, yeah, he just made that drive just to spend a couple hours with me in prayer. And turned around and went home. He's a busy guy. He's got things to do. 
So uh, this is part of the, the word that he gave me, and it's not just me, it's you. This isn't all about me. This is about you. He's prophesying over the church. He knows things about the spiritual foundations of this church that most of us don't even realize. Why? Because he's been praying for it before it was birthed. Oh, I'm getting there. I'm just hold your horses. <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah, well, I'll see you next week. That's, a, that's like <laughs> Haggai chapter 2. This is the scripture he gave me, and I'll explain it and why it's important. Wait a minute. I take that back. Okay, put a bookmark on Haggai chapter 2. Yep. Uh, and then turn with me to Genesis. That one's in the beginning. I know where that one's at. <laughs> Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 6, verse, I believe it's 16, since my notes don't work anymore. Uh, Genesis chapter 26, verses 16. Okay, so, uh, who is the father of the faith? Abraham. And who are his kids? Isaac and Jacob. <laughs> Cheryl's talking. See, I told you the word of God can speak to you. <laughs> Literally. I'm going to drink this water. <laughs> this is your water. I'm going to drink it. Is that okay? All right. Abraham was blessed, and his flocks increased. And Abraham, in the, in the land of God, dug deep wells all over the place, all over the promised land. Abraham was digging deep wells, and it was... It was for the moment, but it was also for longevity. Like he was digging wells so deep. Why? It's because he knew that his descendants needed that water. So he dug deep wells, and his, his sons were supposed to be stewards of those wells. Some did it, some did not. But Isaac did. Abimelech is a Philistine king. Sometimes that name translates over into a Hebrew name. Uh, there's a couple of Abimelechs in the Bible. It is a generic term for a king, specifically a pagan king. It's like saying Caesar. There's multiple Caesars. Well, there was multiple Abimelechs, and his name literally translates into uh, my father is king. I mean, he's, he's a bad guy in this situation, but that's what his name means. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, so Abraham has, has passed on. He's no longer with them. It's now Isaac's turn to take the lead. 
Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us, for you have become too powerful for us. So this guy is a Philistine bad guy. Think of, you know, Goliath and all those bad guys. He says, you guys, you need to move away from us because you're too successful. You're too powerful. We don't want you around. And so Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac, listen, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father, which the Philistines have stopped up after Abraham had died, and he gave them the same name his father had given them. They actually named their wells. They named the source of life that was coming into them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. All right, so let's just, we can just stop there at the moment. Abraham dug the wells. There was success. Then there was drama. There was moving around. There was getting beat up by bad guys. And the enemy of God filled Abraham's wells with dirt. So here's the prophetic word. The enemy of God has filled our wells with dirt. Where those living waters are going to revive us, give us new energy, give us new insight, give us freedom. But because of life, because things get in the way, because of the hardness of, of this world, you know, we just allowed dirt to get into our wells and we weren't paying attention. We weren't, we weren't shepherding. We weren't managing our wells, our spiritual connection. We weren't managing it. And when you don't manage it, the, the, the enemy is jealous of us. He, he wants us to move away. He wants us to stop. He wants to frustrate us. And he throws dirt into our wells. But Isaac redug these wells. Okay? So, I mean, I know it's very simple, but that's the word. So, I had to do it, and now I'm going to encourage you to do it. Get the dirt out of your wells. What is the dirt? I don't know. It's different for everyone. It could be sin. So that's a no-duh. It wasn't my issue. I don't, I don't do that. I don't, sin. I don't sin. That's you guys. Okay, so sin is, a, sin is a constant. Sin is going to be at your doorstep every single day, every single moment in your life. You're going to be tempted. You're going to, you're going to fall. You're going to screw up. You're going to be jealous. You're, you're going to be greedy. You're, you're going to sin. Just, just stop. Have mastery over that sin in your life. Quit making excuses. Quit going into agreement with it. Quit saying, quit saying that's just the way that I am. Stop. Get that, get that sin, get the dirt out of your well. Okay, so that one's, that one's pretty straightforward, and, and, and like we can all understand that that's some dirt, amen? We can all agree that sin is dirt. So repent of it and get it out. 
Like, you're actually responsible for it. Like, only Jesus can wash it away. Only he can make you pure. But you're responsible for, for getting the shovel out. You got to clean out that well. So that's one. That was pretty straightforward. But the other one there are the worries of life. Did you know that that can be some dirt in your life? And dirt in your well? Like, there's just worries. I mean, we get it. Like, there's just a lot of things going on in this world. And we have, we have family members that pass. We have bills that we can't pay. We have jobs that seem like they're going nowhere. We have relationships that are falling apart. Like, this world, it's, it's just heavy. And it, the worry can weigh on you. But, but, but you need fresh water. So get that dirt out. Quit worrying and start praying. Quit worrying and start praying. I know it's hard. I know it's going to require a lot of heavy lifting. It's going to require some, some shifting in the way that you view yourself and the way that you view your environment. But we've got to get that dirt out. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have some trouble. But, but you know, take joy. Be joyful. I've overcome this thing. So can you. Now, the next one, the next piece of dirt and garbage that we need to get out of our wells so that water can start flowing, like just bubbling up. It's not sin. It's not the worries of this world. You could easily tie it to both, but it's just a, there's a little bit of a nuance that I just want to highlight because it was highlighted to me. And that bit of dirt is believing the lies of those Philistines. Philistines are a bunch of dogs. Like, as a people group, they don't exist anymore, so I feel comfortable in trashing them. <laughs> but they're a bunch of dogs. They were so, they were so horrible. They were, they were so nasty. They were so ugly. They were so uncouth. It's like even, whether you might not know this, but the, the term Philistine has is, 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 is been adopted into some vernacular. So whenever something is tacky, uh, that's, that's, that's Philistine. Uh, I got some bad news for you. Like most of Southern California and California in general, we're all a bunch of Philistines because we don't appreciate fine art. Like we're okay with reproductions and velvet Elvises. <laughs> that, that, that would be the definition of a Philistine. Philistines, instead of buying an antique, they're going to buy their reproduction and then they're going to lie to their friends and tell their friends that it's an antique. That's what Philistines do. They're liars. And in the spiritual realm, the, 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 the armies of the Philistines are still at war lying to us. Now, this is the thing. You have to make sure that you don't go into agreement with a lie. Lies come in and they attack us. They attack our families. They attack our churches. They attack people of faith. And they present things that are not true. There might be an element of truth to it. And they, just, they, just, they make it into something that is 10 times worse than it actually is. Churches are all a bunch of hypocrites, right? Okay, that's, that's partly true, right? Like we all know that's kind of true. But when the enemy of God takes that lie, he amplifies that lie all across mass media. And he makes up things that, that frankly aren't true. 
They might be true for one church. They might be true for one pastor. But frankly, they're just not true. But when we go into agreement and when we believe that lie, that lie gets laid over every single thing, every single good thing that God wants to do. And we have to stop doing that. Instead of focusing on all the negative things that we could easily focus on on what God is doing, we need to focus on the amazing things and highlight those things and hang those things on the wall. God's doing amazing things right here and right now. So we need to get rid of that that cynicism, that negative thinking, that Christian backbiting. Like We're moving forward. So for you, what... Like, do you want, you want a drink of water? You want some fresh water? Let's get rid of that dirt. It's the big practical application for you that I want you to consider right now. Just take a moment. What dirt do you have in your well? What dirt is it? Is it believing lies? Is it sin? Is it letting the the world get under your skin? What is it? What's your, what dirt do you have? Do you have them all? All right. Now, that was Scripture prophecy number one. Back to Haggai chapter two. A few years ago, I, I did a series on the exile on going, you know, leaving Babylon. You guys remember that one? That whole theme that, that God brought his chosen into the promised land. They were blessed. They established the monarchy. They were doing amazing things. But they, they quit running like water, and they became stagnant. So the, the monarchy, the, the, the line of David... It got broken into two, and they began to fight with each other, and they began to, to not advance the kingdom of heaven on earth. They lost their mission. They lost their way. They lost their fight. They, they began to believe the lies of the enemy, and they began to adopt the lies of the enemy. They, they compromised with the culture. And it got to the point where you couldn't tell the difference between a Judean king, and a Philistine king. They were practicing the same practices. And when it was all over, when God finally had enough, kings were sacrificing their own children. That's how bad it got. And God took them out into exile. God's the one that called first the Assyrians and then the Babylonians to haul away God's people, to, to get them into a state of purging that, that sin out of them, getting rid of that kind of dirt. That kind of dirt's a different kind of dirt. And at the end of their 70 years of exile, God is calling his people again out of captivity and back into the Holy Land. Isn't that exciting? Like, like, like he's a redemptive God. He's out to redeem his people. He's out to redeem that situation. He hasn't given up on them. He's not going to give up on you. 
How many times have you gone to Egypt? How many times have you gone to Babylon? Dad's got a saying, quit going back to Egypt. You might be in slavery, but those fish don't taste as good as you thought that they did. Quit uh, compromising with the culture. Or you're going to end up in Babylon. Revelation has all kinds of interesting things to say about Babylon. We, we, can't, we can't go into agreement with Babylon anymore. So God's calling them back, and this is what happens. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, the son of, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that one, the governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehoazak. I got that wrong too, the high priest. So God is saying, I want you to speak to these two people. Zerubbabel is a governor. He's going to be made the governor of certain areas, and now he's going to be made the governor of Judah. I mean, the fascinating thing about Zerubbabel is that he is in the line of David. He is... He has a messianic heritage to him. He's, he should be the king. And it, it's almost as if he was the king that never was because he didn't fully sit on the throne. And to Joshua, the son of Jehoazak, the high priest. And to the remnant of the people, ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory. So we're talking about times past. We're talking about those that had seen with their eyes the temple before the Babylonians burned it to the ground in 568 A.D., B.C. Who of you remember the, the, the glory? Who of you saw this house in its glory? How does it look to you now? It didn't look too hot. Does it seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord God Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you, so do not fear. So he's speaking to people that have been held captive. He says, no, my, you've been held captive, but my spirit is still with you, so do not fear. Okay, I need to skip. Verse 6, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord God Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. 
Isn't that cool? Verse 20, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tells Zerubbabel, the governor of Judea, that I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn the royal thrones and shatter the power of foreign kings. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Their horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. They're going to do each other in. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant, Zerubbabel, the son of, am I going to say that name, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. All right, so powerful scripture, and this is what it meant to us practically. There was a, there was a building of the temple. Zerubbabel, the governor, builds the foundations of the second temple. Zerubbabel was being worn like a signet ring for the authority of God. Signet rings were used like credit cards. They were used to purchase. They had power. They had authority. They represented the king. And Zerubbabel was, his, was the Lord's ring. I think some of you are the Lord's ring, like Zerubbabel was. I don't know who you are. I do know of at least one person in this church that is a signet ring, and that's Pastor Larry. So this one was specifically him. So... What Brian told me is that your dad is Zerubbabel. He is the one that built this church by the authority of God that was given to him. And he says, and you, Josh, are Joshua the priest who will invite the remnant back. And I like that. So the priest led all the people back to the promised land and back to the temple. So what does this mean to me practically? Well, it's cool that our names match. Brian told me that he would... He would sit and overlook this valley, and that he would pray, and that he would pray, and that he would pray, and those prayers are deep wells. Not only was it Brian, but so many saints, so many that have gone before us have prayed and prayed and prayed. He said that there are literally millions and millions upon millions of prayers in this valley for the lost. And those, my friends, are deep wells. Again, you might be shallow, but you can drink out of that well. You can start digging your own well and see how deep it can get, how rich it can get. We have 
Okay, we talked about your dirt. This is going to be fun. Let's now talk about other people's dirt. That's a lot better. That's a lot easier, right? It's way easier to talk about other people's dirt than our own dirt. But let's talk about other people's dirt. I mean, in a good way. We all have brothers and sisters, family members who let the dirt get to them and they believe the lies of the enemy. It's a Barna report uh, that came out this year in 2022 on church attendance and the state of the church in America. This was a rough statistic. We've never seen a statistic like this before. But one in three of church attenders stopped going to church in the past three years. One in three. They stopped. I mean, we did the online thing. We did our best trying to pitch that. But let's just be honest. That doesn't work. Because you can always change the channel. During, when we were online church for a bit, we had people that would tune in for the worship and tune out for the message, and vice versa. They would go to, they click to another church to listen to their music because their music was better, or they'd click on this church to, to listen to that sermon because that sermon was better. So they would just mix and match. Like, that is, that's going to be the most disgusting American thing I think I've ever seen. That is so consumer-based. There's nothing spiritual about that. That's just all Christian entertainment right there. Because the body of Christ is fellowship. This is greeting each other between the worship and the message. It's hanging out afterwards. I want to encourage you to go to lunch with somebody. This is, it's more than just this, the fog machine and lasers and that kind of stuff. Huh? They're, they're coming, man. We're going to fill this place with a Shekinah glory. Get some lasers in here. <laughs> huh, Jim? Oh, I forgot to introduce Jim as our new worship director. There he is. Excited about that. Obviously, obviously they now usher in the presence of God, so I'm super excited about that. Okay, so let's get back to other people's dirt. Our other people have allowed the enemy to lie to them and they believe the lies. It's our job, first of all, to dig, our, to dig out our own wells to start drinking fresh water again, but it is our job to go and get our brothers and sisters that have, be, that have believed lies and invite them all back. So I'm inviting them all back publicly online. If you're watching online and you know somebody doesn't go to church anymore, send them this video. One of the lies that unchurched people believe, this is going to be a little harsh, but it's unfortunately it's true. One of the lies that unchurched people believe is this powerful lie of the spirit of offense. They get offended. They get their feelings hurt in, you know, people around them. Pastor Josh didn't call them on their birthday. They don't sing that worship song anymore, and now they're offended. 
Somebody looked at them sideways and they took it personally. Some scripture was read that they didn't want to hear and it offended them. Like, we, we can go on all day. There's a million reasons why people come up with excuses as to why they don't want to go to church. I'm inviting them all back. Just let it go. Like, at this point, I don't care. Like, I don't care if, um, if you hurt my feelings, if I hurt your feelings. I don't care if there was a grudge. One of the big pieces of dirt that I had to remove was a, a chunk of bitterness. Like, I don't care. Like, if you hurt, if somebody that left the church, if you're watching online, if you left the church because I hurt your feelings, you hurt my feelings, come on back. Like, I'm getting the dirts out. We can start fresh. We don't have to hold on to that animosity and that bitterness anymore. Don't care how bad it was. Come and talk to me. We can make amends. Because what's at stake? Salvation. Like, this valley is at stake. I mean, millions upon millions of prayers have been prayed into this valley. And I know it doesn't feel like God's moving. But the wells are so deep. One of the exciting words is that it's not going to require us to do much labor. The wells have already been dug. Does that make sense? Like the hard work has already been done. We get to draft off of all that hard work. We just need to get off that soot and that soil and begin to see the water come up. Like, the hard work's already been done. It's not as hard as we think that it is. You know, we see the, 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 the stats on declining churches, and we believe that lie that, you know, the, the church is going to hell in a handbasket. There is no hope. What is that? It's a big, fat, dirty Philistine lie. There's so much water at the, at the, just right below the surface. Just right below the surface. So much water. So, that, my friends, is the ministry of the prophetic. Reignites us into our destiny, into our calling, into the, the purpose that God has called us into. He's got a very specific prophecy for you and your destiny and what God wants you to do with your life and how He wants you to reach people. So, in summary... We need to get the dirt out of our own lives. It takes a little bit of uh, introspection. Like you got to do some hard work and look at yourself and like, like what, what, what really is the problem? Quit making excuses of, as to why things are the way they are and why we do the things the way that we do. Uh, looking at other people's dirt, right? We need to look at our dirt first. Like, first we need to take that log out, and then we, then we need to take the, you know, the mud out, and then we need to take the speck out, and then we need to start loving people. You know, when I, 
when it seems like it's impossible to live this faith, to live this life of faith, when it seems like it's hard, we're so faithful here in, in putting our hands to, to do the work of God. We're so faithful in serving the poor. We're so faithful in teaching. We're so faithful in building and nativity. And we're just so, like we're a hardworking group of people. Would you agree? Yeah. You guys are a hardworking group of people. I'm so proud of you all. But you know what the work of God is? It's belief. It's just to believe. Jesus, you know, they asked Jesus, what is the work of God? And Jesus says, the work of God is very simple. You just have to believe in the one God the Father had sent. You believe, in, you believe in the one that God the Father had sent. Basically saying, you believe in Jesus, you believe in me. Then all the other work is easy. The hardest thing that we do in our Christian walk is just to believe and not believe the, the lies of the enemy. Amen? Amen? All right, Jim, come on up. We're all done. <laughs> Clean your dirt out. And bring back the remnant. Like, bring back that remnant. They don't have to come here. There's other churches. It needs to be a conversation that you begin to have with your friends and your neighbors. How was church on Sunday? <laughs> what did you read in the Word of God this week? How did God stir you in worship? Like, these are the types of conversations we need to have with people. Like, we can talk about other things. I don't know, like, what's going on in politics, but that's no fun. Because conversations like that are eternal. They can last forever. They can change the destiny of countless people. Conversations like that, God conversations are what we need to have. When God's people entered into the promised land, it was flowing with milk and honey. There, were, there was so much stuff to eat there. Before they came into the promised land, they were eating manna, this stuff. When they came into the promised land, there was even more provision, more food. When we receive the body of Christ into our being, when we eat of his flesh, what we are saying is, I will not allow the worries of this world to get me down. I will choose to stop worrying and start believing and praying. So when you eat this bread, you remove the worries of this world. And your walk will become lighter. Receive the body of Christ and get rid of worry.
All right. You can get your shovels out. We're going to do some shoveling. This is your shovel motion. We're going to shovel it out. It is what's inside of this cup is going to wash away all of that dirt, but you've got to lift it up to your lips. You have to take the drink. You have to shovel. But it's in this cup washes away all of the dirt. Washes away your sins. Washes away the lies. Washes away the pain and the heart and the tears. Washes it all away, makes you new. Brand new. Saints and no longer sinners. Well diggers. Water drinkers. Life givers. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the washing away of your dirt. And I can't get enough. No, I can't get enough of your amazing love. No, I can't get enough. And I can't walk away. I forgot to receive the offering, so I got the ashes come to the front. 
Thank you for your faithfulness in returning to the Lord. I know at times it can be hard. But in that verse that we read from Haggai chapter 2, I don't know if you caught it or if you paid attention. Maybe it went right over your head. But the Lord told Haggai, and he's telling you right now, that silver and gold are mine. Silver and gold are the Lord's. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the resources that we need are in heavenly places. I know that insecurity about finances is difficult. The word of God, his promises are true. If you trust him, he will provide. He has no lack. The silver and gold are his. He will meet all of your needs according to his riches. So Heavenly Father, we ask that you come into every area of our lives as we return to you what you have blessed us with. May our offering, may our tithe, may it be an acceptable sacrifice to you. May we see this and give back from a spirit of joy and not obligation. May we never give to get because your grace is at no cost. We will show you our obedience today as we return to you. God, God bless you as you give back to the Lord. As the baskets are being passed, I want to prophesy over you. I want to bless you. You will receive a gift from the Lord this week. You need, to, you need to be open and diligent. You need to anticipate this word, this gift, this insight from the, from the Lord. You need to be waiting for it. It's going to show up on your porch. If you're not diligent, somebody's going to steal your package. Some Philistine is going to trash it. So be on the lookout for what God wants to say to you this week. Now, not everybody is going to have an experience like I did this week, but a lot of you will. A lot of you will. And if you don't get a word from God, if somebody doesn't reach out to you when you need the Lord the most and he tells you exactly what you need to hear at the exact moment in time, like, if that doesn't happen for you, it's okay. You're not loved less. The Lord loves you just as much as he loves me. 
Be encouraged that you have the Word of God and you can turn to it. Be faithful. Be okay with the silence. Be okay with the still, small voice because He's coming for you. I want to share something else. I am so incredibly thankful that Brian was faithful this week. So just think about that for a second. If Brian had not have been faithful, if he would have believed the lies, if he would have been like, yeah, that's, I don't know why I'm thinking about Josh. That's kind of weird. Let me, let me get back to my burger. If he would have just blown that off, you I, I, wouldn't be blessed right now. Right? That one act of obedience encouraged hundreds today. Isn't that cool? So, how can you be a Brian for somebody this week? I mean, I'm being dead serious. So if you have somebody that comes into your mind, if your heart begins to burn for somebody and you don't know why, if you get woken up in the middle of the night, my friends, let me tell you, that is your sign. That is your assignment. Be faithful. Reach out. Be faithful and reach out. Be a Brian this week. So now may the Lord go before you. May he bless your endeavors as you begin to dig out the dirt in your life and to clean things up. May the, the water of life begin to overflow and anoint you, refresh you, revitalize you, bring you into new life in this season. May it even wash out all your waxed-filled ears so that you can hear clearly what God is saying. So may God bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you, to be gracious towards you, to turn towards you in your times of worry. The one who has called you, he is faithful, faithful, faithful. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Dig some wells and see what God's going to do. It's going to be an exciting year. That just won't be in your heart. There is nothing like your love. There is nothing like your love. One more time. I just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love.